I really can't believe it. 50, five, zero episodes. Yeah, this is the 50th episode of Nice Work. That's a full year, give or take a few days. I just kind of blows my mind. But here we are. I'm super grateful for you, the listener, and that you seem to be telling your friends as the podcast has been growing every week since day one. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And thanks to all of our guests for being so gracious, smart, funny, and sharing their passions and, and how they achieved that too rare trick of turning those passions into successful careers. So because it's a special episode, number 50, and because I believe wholeheartedly in egregious nepotism, today's guest is none other than my 18-year-old son, Justice Masaru North Brilliant. Justice shares his thoughts, his feelings, his advice on what it's like to be a teenager, a high school senior, during COVID. Many high schoolers have been off campus for a year now, a year of school, and the impacts to their mental health, grades, sports, college prospects, family, and friend dynamics, I think they're a lot more significant than many adults realize. And if we want to maintain a great relationship with our teens, we probably need to listen more, show more empathy, and extend a lot more trust. Did it make me a little nervous to be interviewing my own kid? Yeah, you bet it did. Did I go a little over the top in promoting him? Of course I did. I mean, I love that young man more than anything. Which means I should probably introduce myself. I forgot. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and the Nice Work Podcast is a podcast of the Super Nice Club, a club that is dedicated to making the world 10% nicer. You can join us by finding us on Instagram or Facebook or hitting up superniceclub.com where you can get details about our mission. You can also join the Super Nice Club Insider Community where you'll get invited to events, giveaways, local gatherings, a chance to ask podcast guests questions ahead of time, which is cool. All you have to do is text um, justice right now to 310-421-0393. And if you like this podcast, will you pretty please subscribe, share it with friends, um, review it, post it up on your socials, all that stuff. Thank you. Makes a big difference. Uh, another thing that's cool about this podcast episode is we're going to do something new. There's a new item. Uh, to kick off year two, we're introducing anti-sponsors. Yeah, so instead of paying, they're free. Instead of benefiting the podcast, they benefit you, the listeners. Uh, if you're interested in an anti-sponsor slot for your business, you just have to be a super nice club member doing nice work in your community and then kind of you know, agree to offer some kind of special treat to members of the super nice club uh, a discount um a free consultation whatever just something a little extra a little nice get creative about it uh, and reach out interested reach out holler at us so our very first anti-sponsor is film crush filmcrush.net is the place for super duper movie nerds like me who want to geek out on deep dive reviews and articles about, yeah, films, movies, big screen. So head over there, filmcrush.net, check out the top seven 80s movies of all time. By all time, I figure they mean all 10 years of time that were the 80s, I guess. 
I don't know. It's kind of an interesting headline. Uh, <laughs> I do have to admit that the fact that Buckaroo Banzai was left off this list bothers me. Chaps my rawhide. It really does. Anyway, head over to filmcrush.net, uh, at film.crush on Instagram, at film.crush, and join the conversation with other movie nerds. Film Crush editor Jebediah Pinnell is offering free hugs to Super Nice Club members. He will also travel to your house, cook you dinner, no kidding, and massage your feet for one hour if you make 524 thoughtful comments on filmcrush.net. Yeah, it's a pretty great offer. All right. So lastly, before we get into the talk, I'd like to thank you for listening, for supporting this podcast, getting behind the idea of making the world a nicer place because boy, howdy, do we ever need it. Okay. You ready? You're ready. I think you're ready. I've been talking too much. Turn off everything else, tune out the rest of the world, and drop in to nice work with Justice Brilliant. Justice Brilliant, good morning. Welcome to Nice Work. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? You know, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited. This is the 50th episode of Nice Work, which means I've been doing it for a year, which is crazy. And I love that I get to do it with you. I get to do it with my kiddo, my 18-year-old boy. So yeah, I'm having a good day. So Justice, I know where you are. You're in Healdsburg, California. You're up in Sonoma County, wine country. How do you like it up there? How, how's it going in Healdsburg for you right now? Um, it's pretty nice. It's kind of strange, especially during COVID, because there's really not much to do. I mean, like the most exciting thing we can do is me and my friend group is we go and get like coffee in Santa Rosa. So we drive half an hour for a $4 coffee and it's like, woohoo, celebration time. And your friend group, these are all, uh, and I'm, I'm being both podcast host and parent here. These are all tightly vetted circle friends. Yes, I have my group. I'm better at it than my mom. I have my group of friends and we only see each other. <laughs> And that's it. Nobody's no new inclusions. You can't throw your mom under the bus on a podcast that the world can hear. Just success tips in life, buddy. Oh man. <laughs> anyway, I know it's it's difficult. Everybody has their own their own mode, and everybody's trying to to figure it out. And I think that some listeners out there, when they go, "What? Getting in a car with a friend group, going to get coffee? That seems uh, super dangerous." But I also understand, and I've talked to other parents of the kids in those in that car, that you guys really are doing your best. And there's a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. It's really hard for teenagers. COVID's hard in a, in a way that, it's very hard on all of us, but it's, it's hard in a way that I think if you just aren't in touch with being a teenager or what it was like, that you might not remember, you might not understand. So that's why I'm really having you on here. I love that, you know, you're my kiddo, but I really want to talk about that experience now that it's been a year. There've been a lot of conversations about COVID when it first came out, like everybody adjusting, the new models, the new ways of working, et cetera, et cetera. But it's fatigue time and it's wearing down. And, and students like you have gone through over a year of high school now during COVID. That's just, I don't think any of us, very many of us would have predicted that it would be continuing like this with really not a defined end in sight. Yeah, it's, it's definitely strange. It seems like every day there's new restrictions and challenges posed that we didn't have the day before. Whereas six months ago, I would go out and do 
things for fun that now I can't do. I can't go to say the beach or Scandia or anything like that because it's all closed off or I don't want to take the risk of COVID with it all ballooning right now. So I'm stuck in bed most, most of the time. Yeah. I really want to drill down on something important you said there, which is that you can't go to Scandia anymore, which means no pinball. And, and that of all the travesties of COVID, that's got to be right up there toward the top. No, I agree. I can't play Metallica pinball and then walk over and play Papa Shot for like two hours. It's it's, it's tough. Yeah, to no Papa Shot, no pinball. You, you understand that's that these are privileged activities, right? Yeah, we're getting into pinball still, privilege. Doesn't make here. me sad. We're getting into pinball privilege. So Healdsburg, I want to talk about Healdsburg, that town of like eleven thousand people in wine country. What do you like about growing up there? What's what's been so great about being in a in a in a town that so many people would love to be in? What are your what are your big positive takeaways? Uh, it's definitely interesting. It's a uh, tight knit community that everybody seems to know everybody. Especially a lot of my uh, connections are through you from when you lived here. But it's really nice to be able to go out and just walk through the square and see like five people that you know and have a quick conversation with them about nothing important and go on with your day. Basically, what I'm hearing is that you really enjoy Healdsburg. It's definitely a great little tightly knit town. I mean, there's definitely a lot of drawbacks to it. Um, like there's just not a lot to do, especially if you can't drink because everything here is a winery or a tasting room. We have a big town green, whereas it's fun if you're a kid. As you grow older, there's less and less things to do until you finally hit 21, and then this town becomes a free-for-all to get super boozed up and do stupid stuff. But So are you eager to get out at this point? Yes, absolutely. I probably shouldn't have said that so emphatically. But it, it, after 18 years of living in this town and driving the same 10 roads every single day, it gets kind of redundant, and I, I want to spend a year or two in a bigger city where there's more adventure and do things that I've never done before. I think when you get to the bigger city, that year or two, you know, often becomes a decade or two. And uh, then you start looking back with a little bit of wistfulness on that small town that you grew up in. And then when you go back, of course, you find that small town has been decimated by strip centers and developers who are just, you know, whoring out everything they can in the town. And then you just get depressed and then it's old age. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> now, Healdsburg has resisted that for, for quite some time. It's stayed a small town. It's a beautiful town in wine country. And I can see you, you know, you've always been a, a small town kind of guy, not just living there, but just your attitude uh, towards life. And I, I say that as a compliment. It'd be interesting to see. I'm, I'm interested in watching your journey, you know, as much of it as, as, I, get to, as I get to watch. So your high school, you're in high school during COVID and... There have been a lot of conversations around COVID, obviously, and around the school experience and everything. But most of those were happening in the first days of COVID. They were happening when this was a big transition. And there were a lot of perspectives and there was a lot of culture shock. I feel like, doesn't mean that I'm right, that now that high school age students have been going through a solid year and a half of COVID, their experience is being taken for granted to some degree by society. We're not really paying attention to the impacts that it's having. Do you feel like you missed a big part of the high school experience, that thing that you were looking forward to for all those years? Uh, absolutely. I mean, not not only am I losing the, um, the group feeling of going into a classroom with your mm -hmm. peers and friends and screwing around and like doing all those high school things, I'm also missing all my dances and like potentially losing my final baseball season 
Yep. I, and all of these things, it's especially irritating because I feel like it all could have been avoided if people just put on their masks and stayed home for two weeks. Like it's, it's don't, really not. Don't tell me what to do. Don't you tell me what to do. I'm sorry. It's your body, your choice, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So you missed half your junior year and you've missed your entire senior year, except that you've been, you know, taking obviously remote courses. What about your friends? You know, are your friends also struggling with this or some of them feeling like, hey, man, it's a lot easier this way? Like school is hard, but but online school is, is a breeze. Is there any of that where some people are feeling like there's an advantage to not being in school? No, every everybody hates it. The only advantage would be is that there's no like restrictions as far as just walking away from your computer. Mm-hmm. But you lose the teaching aspect because teachers are just kind of flying through lessons and you can't ask for help because your microphone has to stay off the whole time. So it leaves you pretty much confused and relatively alone during your courses, which makes it uh, extremely difficult. As well as teachers just kind of take the opportunity of, oh, you're at home. We're going to pile on an ungodly amount of homework for you to do because clearly you have nothing better to do with your life. I've noticed with you and with others that, at least in your system, uh, I know that the the online education system is something that schools have been rolling out in different ways in different parts of the country and, and everybody's learning on the fly. But with yours, it's very difficult to get feedback. Like if you're in a math class, you're not like you would typically do, you're not reviewing the prior day's work sort of problem by problem. And there's very little opportunity for you to raise your hand and say, oh, I had this idea. Could, you know, I need help with this. You have to wait until after class for defined help hours, right? And by then, the moment the question is usually lost. Yeah, we have office hours. So I have my math class from 8.30 to 9.20. And mm-hmm. I can't ask questions until 3.30 p.m. All of the the brainworm of oh my god I think I understand this but I need help is gone at that point you're just waiting till three the the you magic feel... of understanding a concept is gone because you can't ask the question until the the magic is already left. Do you feel like teachers are taking that into account and handing out higher grades easier or is it just as strict as it was before? I think that varies per teacher. Uh, it also per assignment. I mean you have some some assignments that are just unnecessarily hard and they take that into account and give you a better grade on it. But some teachers are just like, you know what? Well, you have more time on your hands. We're going to give you more homework and grade you even harder on it because you have all the resources to succeed and excel. Now, what about the social aspect of school? Are, are, are the schools making much of an effort or is your school, because that's your only one that you know, and your friends, you, you've heard stories of other schools. Do you feel like they're making an effort to regularly acknowledge the impact of COVID on students' mental health, on students' ability to really be present in, in the way that they used to be? Not a prayer. It, just, it doesn't matter. No? No, hmm. not at all. Which is horrible, considering especially today, kids have the highest depression and anxiety rates of all time, mm-hmm. especially thanks to high school, because everybody's being told that if they get anything less than a 4.0, they're not going to college and the rest of their life will be ruined. So take out the going to your peers for help and camaraderie and forming your little bond inside the classroom that makes it bearable to get through. You take that out of the equation and you're pretty much lost and the school is doing nothing to replicate that. So you're just going into high school alone. And do you feel that parents have an understanding of this dynamic as well and and your very unique struggles? I feel like I try to, but I really have to admit that I – I just can't relate to what it's like to be 17, 18 and going through COVID and high school at the same time. 
I feel like a lot of people, a lot of older people, like they're a little more disconnected. And they kind of have this mentality of suck it up, buttercup. You can, you can figure it out. It's not that bad. I mean, you get to sit in bed all day. It's like, yes, I do get to sit in bed all day. But is sitting in my underwear for eight hours a day what I want to do with my life alone? Absolutely not. No, thank you. What I'm hearing is that sitting in bed all day in your underwear with someone else is yes. is okay. That's the way to go. Okay. All right. Cool. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's just really tough. You know, you and I talked about this earlier, just this issue of students out there, teachers, parents, and the issue of trust during COVID, right? We, we, we as a society are asking, trying to trust one another. We're trying to trust that everybody will wear masks, whatever your, your position is on wearing masks. You know, it just, we're trying to trust that we're going to make COVID go away, you know, through appropriate social distancing and through other measures. And that trust also has to extend within families. It has to extend to sons and daughters who are at an age where socializing and learning socializing, the, the patterns and the habits they learn now are going to impact the rest of their lives. And I, I think a lot of parents forget that. They forget that socialization, if you just shut it off to a 14, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old, um, but not a 19-year-old and not a 13-year-old, just, just those years, just those years, uh, it can lead to all sorts of mental health issues. And we are, as, as a lot of us as parents, are having a hard time extending our trust to our teenaged kids because it's always like, you know, you can't trust teenagers. They've got all these hormones and they're just going to be out there, you know, screwing around, uh, making out and smoking pot. Do you feel like as a teenager, society, and we're generalizing, has kind of picked you out as the least trustworthy link? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I deal with it every day, every night at home over dinner. We have, there's some always some argument that gets thrown around about that. I think the, the biggest problem is parents and families' refusal to have like an open discussion with their kids. They just mm-hmm. put a hard no to living any sort of life as they were before. So it just the, – the students or children have a little bit of they, – they don't – they just hate – they basically grow to hate their parents. They resent their parents. Because they won't give them any sort of logical explanation as to why they can't live their life. So they're just cooped up in bed alone and counting down the days until they turn 18 so they can move out. Yeah, it's been really hard. It's been really hard on families. It, it's Part of it is that, you know, trust is something you build up over time. I've been really fortunate with you. Here's some wood. That we've always had good trust. You've never broken my trust once and that I know of. And if I don't know about it, it didn't happen. I still struggle, though, even though I owe you all the trust that I can give you. I still struggle and have struggled in the past. Like, I'll call, oh, you're going out with uh, uh, Mason, you know, and then I have to talk to his parents and we all have to kind of figure out what that means. And Are they hanging out with people with other kids we can't trust? Well, well of course, I trust you, Justice, but it's just that I don't trust Jolene's parents. You know, all these things. I'm struggling with where all those years of trust for you, like, do I just throw them out the window? Is that fair? It doesn't seem fair, right? No, it's and, not fair, but that's what a lot of parents are doing. Yeah. It leads to a really difficult dynamic of within friend groups of people like we all have, for example, my friends, we only see each other, but there's one kid who just is, isn't allowed to come out with us and we all feel bad for her, but 
Apparently, she refused to give her any sort of logical explanation. So she's in her bed, in her room with a calendar that marks down the days until she turns 18. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. That that should be a stark a stark reminder to parents that even if you have to shut your your kids down completely, and you do, if you're living down here in Los Angeles, you shouldn't be going anywhere. It's like it's tough, but. Nobody should be going anywhere right now because it's just one out of four tests is coming back positive. But conversation and letting your sons and daughters feel like they're being heard is is the way to go. And if you're just shutting people down and saying, can't do it because COVID, and you're not listening to the, the confusion, because look, the hypocrisy is, is out there. It's everywhere in the rules. You can have a church open, but you can't have a restaurant open. You can have this, but you can't have that. It's it's nuts. And if you don't think that's happening inside the minds, if, if that, that your teenage kid isn't seeing these hypocrisies and, and, oh, I can't do that, but you're my parent and you can go have socially distant drinks with so-and-so, that that's problematic. Yeah, and it leads to a lot of mistrust on both sides. When yeah. the kids don't trust the parents and the parents don't trust the kids, then it leads to this like back and forth stru- power struggle of I hate you, you hate me, what the hell, guys? Yeah, I don't know the solutions on that, parents. But And again, I feel lucky. I feel lucky about my son, who I'm talking with right now, and his mom and the dynamic that's happening around there. It's It's been successful to date. But like I was saying, the, the hypocrisies, I was just reading, I think this morning, we're going to move over to the sports world a little bit because a lot of Justice's life is in the sports world. But a uh, player, George Hill, uh, who used to be on the NBA's greatest franchise, uh, franchise known as the Sacramento Kings, uh, was saying, hey, look, we can't, we just got told there's a new mandate that NBA players can't go and fraternize with players from the other team after the game, which is something that they've always done because they used to play together on different teams or in college. They're all part of the same industry. It's a small industry. That makes no sense, says Hill, because I'm out there sweating next to this guy for 48 minutes. We're getting as close as two people can get, more or less. So I can go play with him for 48 minutes, but I can't go talk to him on the sideline after. There's no logic there. And society has so many examples of these very inconsistent rules. And when you're a teenager and you see those, it's tough because they're being applied to you as well. So maybe, um, what do you think, Justice? Like, just clear family groundwork that everybody has to adhere to consistently? Yeah, I mean, it's not hard to have that conversation with your family. Just a lot of adults refuse to give the kids the respect of having that conversation. Respect from adults to teens has always been in short supply. It was in short supply when I was a teenager. It's something I've always considered. Like, you know, respect has to go both ways. If you're a parent, you just can't expect it from a child. It yeah. has to be earned both ways. And if you, especially if you're an educator, educators, teachers out there who get burned out and don't respect their students and they just expect the students to automatically respect them, that's wild because it just ain't going to happen. Yeah. I mean, obviously, who the hell am I to tell people how they should live their home lives? But it's, this seems to be a relatively widespread problem. Okay, so backing up a minute, backing up before high school and, and this difficult time you've had, you were a Waldorf kid, Waldorf education. And for people who don't know Waldorf education, I just say Google it. It's just a very different style of schooling. It's very different. Justice go was, go unicorns. I, I coached his high school or uh, junior high basketball team uh, a couple of times and nicknamed him the unicorns. 
different story. But you were at, at, at Summerfield Waldorf School and Farm for 10 years. Now that you've been out of it for three years, do you feel like it prepared you in, in any positive ways? Did it leave any gaps in your, your social education? Uh, wh- how do you feel about it now that you can contrast it with, with um, public school? It definitely prepared me in a creative way. Um, it left me as a I think that I'm a relatively good writer and I'm able to uh, use more creative philosophies inside of my work, just in my life and as well as in schoolwork. Um, but it's also hindered me in form of like math and that side of education, as well as the social aspect of just living outside of a bubble of a 13 person classroom. It's been interesting to watch you with your friends from Summerfield and then your newer friends from public school. And I know that the Summerfield friends you've known for so much longer, so you're going to have some deeper relationships there. But you also have, you interact differently with the two groups a bit, don't you? Isn't there a little oh, bit yeah. of a different... absolutely. Uh, in what ways? There's just the, the dynamic is different, whereas these Summerfield people, I've known them, some of them, for 14 years. So mm-hmm. we are able to hang out with each other for just like go school around and hang out at one's house. Whereas if I hang out with some uh, Hillsburg people, what chances are we're going to go somewhere. We're going to go get coffee or something like that. And that's going to be the, the entirety of our, our time together. There's not as much substance. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I enjoy it either way, but the Summerfield people were able to have, there's more depth to our conversations than just our, our friendship in general. In your experience, do the families of the two different groups treat COVID in a different way? Um, I don't know if I know enough about Summerfield parents to fully make a, uh, intelligent guess on this, but I'd say that public school people are a little bit more loose about it because I guess there's just a lot more conservatives, especially in Healdsburg because we're a little bit more of a yeehaw town. That makes yeah, sense. That's, that's pretty where, much Where it. do you think, which group, I like this. Waldorf versus public school smackdown. So I want to do one more. Um, which group has a higher percentage of people who believe in the lizard people government conspiracy? Okay, so lizard people and chemtrails would be Summerfield without a doubt, but right-wing QAnon weirdos would have to go to public school people. What about QAnon non-weirdos, just like the regular old QAnon people? Like they're just, you know, hey, I'm QAnon. I'm not weird. Public schools. Okay. But they both believe in lizard people. I know QAnon's all about lizard people. Like lizard people are stealing babies. And and I think, I'm pretty sure Hillary Clinton and Bill Gates are lizard people. So do you think there's a way to bridge these kind of wildly liberal hippies over at Summerfield with, with the QAnon right crowd around this, this common enemy? And I know enemies aren't super nice, but come on, folks. If lizard people are controlling all of us, we need to rise up and resist. You guys have seen V, the miniseries, right? Um, do you think that maybe that's something that we could... It's, we're, our nation is in need of healing right now, all right? I'm just throwing out the idea that maybe this is a way to heal, is, is to just hate on lizard people. Uh, yeah, I think that the whole world can come around and create our own little buckaroo bonsai nation to take down the lizard people. I love it. What a great movie reference. Fantastic. Would you date a lizard person if you didn't, you know, if you had, if you found out that your current girlfriend was a lizard person, would it change anything? I don't know. It would be a pretty cool party trick. Just like show up at a restaurant or something and have, have her pull off her face and turn into a lizard person. 
I wonder how long it takes to put the face back on. Yeah, it would be. But I think the whole point of being a lizard person is that it's a conspiracy. They don't they don't show it off. You have to watch their tongues. They're like more pointed and they flick out sometimes is what I've seen on YouTube and on my QAnon um, sub sites on um, Parlor. All right, we'll leave lizards. We'll leave lizards behind and we'll, we'll move on to uh, prunes. <sighs> Deja vu, huh? Yeah. Nobody else is going to get that. Anyway... <laughs> Prunes, prunes, the musical fruit. Uh, Healdsburg used to be prune central. They used to harvest a lot of prunes there regularly. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. Anyway. But, um, uh, and they used to, you live by a prune packing station. It used to be. Now it's converted into like a bougie little house. So there's a baseball team in Healdsburg that has the greatest name in professional sports. Okay, everybody, you ready for this? Here it is. Write it. Just write this down. The Healdsburg, which is a mouthful anyway, with all those consonants in the middle, Healdsburg, the Healdsburg Prune Packers. That's a baseball team. It's a real thing. The Prune Packers. Tell me about this team. We are a nationally ranked collegiate summer baseball team. Two years ago, we were ranked the 10th best collegiate summer ball team in the nation. Basically, what we are is we get the top collegiate baseball prospects in the country to come play for us for a summer. And the whole idea is... We want to harbor professional-level baseball players and play just an hour and a half north of San Francisco for one-tenth of the price that they're charging for admission. And we, we all we have is first-row seats. And we've had some really big success stories. Um, a couple years ago, we had Andrew Vaughn, who was the number three overall pick in the draft, come uh, Total stud. play for us. Andrew Vaughn. Yes. And we, yeah, we live in a baseball mecca. We have uh, Vaughn and Spencer Torkelson, who unfortunately never played for us, but he was the number one overall pick. They all came from within a half an hour away from Healdsburg, so mm-hmm. it's a great place to come watch a baseball game and see the stars of tomorrow on the small field. It's a beautiful little park, rehabbed. It's a how old is that park? It's over 100 years old, isn't it? Yeah, I can't. I don't remember the exact date, but it's yeah. historic recreation park. It's all sorts of stories have come out of that place. Yeah, uh, we it had is Lefty a great O'Doole park. Play there 100 years ago. All, for, all sorts of fun stuff. Lefty O'Duel. Lefty O'Duel. Do you have any connection to Lefty O'Duel besides that? I mean, your dad, right? Something like that? No, it was, your, it was my grandfather. Your great-grandfather was friends with Lefty O'Duel. Anyway. Oh, just, there you go. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Um, beautiful park. Five bucks to watch. Five bucks to watch a game there. Do you have peanuts? Uh, probably not post-COVID, but we did. All right, so... That team, the, the college students come in, and, and a lot of players have gone on to play um, in, in major league circuit, minor league, major league, et cetera. The, the college students come in and they stay with families, right? Yes. We have host. And you had, you were a host family, uh, you and your mom, for what, how, three years? Uh, we were four or five years, something like that. Okay. But the last couple of years, it's been with uh, Jamie Smart. Yes. Jamie Smart, future, future major leaguer. Stand-up comedian. Absolutely. He's going he's gonna to be on the podcast. So just folks, remember that name, Jamie Smart. Really, really great kid. Really great man. Really great young man. And funny. No comment on Jamie. That's cool. Whatever. Uh, I mean, Jamie's a legend. I don't know. I didn't know if you're going to keep going. <laughs> so what? besides being a fan of the Prune Packers, uh, you work out there. You used to be a groundskeeper starting at like age 14 or 15. Now you're 18. And what are you doing out there as part of the Prune Packers organization? 
Yeah, so I, I started with the grounds crew. My it, it, uh, volunteering when I was in summer after eighth grade. I've risen through the ranks, and now I am the director of marketing and sales for the team, as well as a uh, a board member. I'm the youngest board member in team history, so that's kind of fun. That's amazing. I mean, I've got to have some parental pride and shout out to you to be the director of marketing and sales for a nationally ranked summer baseball team. It, that's amazing. What are your big marketing successes and challenges that are going on with that team? What, what do you guys need to do? Uh, we just need more people to come in. I mean, we got a little bit of recognition early in COVID because I started a thing where I made a whole bunch of face masks out of recycled game-worn jerseys. So that was brought in quite a few new fans and unfortunately we couldn't have fans that are actual games this summer so the biggest hurdle for us is just to get people in the ballpark we, and you we, made those masks yep, by hand made them, yep i sewed my finger a couple times that kind of sucked that was a project for sure <laughs> since we're in such a small town not a lot of people even know that the team exists so the mm-hmm. most important thing we have to do is just continue with community outreach both with sponsors and fans alike, because we're 100% nonprofit, so we we function off of donations. In order to get people to come through the gates, we just got to get out there and make sure everybody knows that we even exist. Donations and sponsorships, right? Local sponsorships by local organizations. Yep. Right now, my big thing is I'm trying to find sponsors to both put up banners in the outfield as well as sponsor our player incoming post because every week or so we put up a new post announcing who which players are coming in for the summer so if you're listening to this and you're in the sonoma county area or just the greater bay area and you want to sponsor you have a small business it's not expensive to sponsor the prune packers by the way uh you want to sponsor this team would bat college league with future major leaguers future hall of famers possibly and andrew vaughn and spencer torkelson these are just young super studs in baseball. Check out the Prune Packers. Seriously, check out the Prune Packers. And maybe, do you think that somebody could sponsor enough where they could change the name? Is that is that a thing? Uh, yeah, put How much like would it take? million bucks and we can talk. Probably million? a couple million bucks. Something uh, like that, a couple yeah. million. Super. I got to sell a lot of shirts. I would love to be at the Healdsburg Super Nicers. Super Nicers? Is that, is that, any, is that an improvement on Prune Packers? Super Nicers? Actually, a couple of... Uh, see, it would be 2015, like five or six years ago that we had a separate team that was created just to play the Prune Packers called the, the Sonoma County Chili Gods, sponsored by the Chili Gods Hot Sauce. So if we brought that back, that might, that might be an option. The Chili Gods? I don't know. The Chili Gods versus the Prune Packers. Wow. That's, that's a culinary disaster right there. Yes, sir. <laughs> There's a special recipe book you could make just to sell at that game. Hey, but congratulations on on being on that job at 18, director of marketing for a sports team. That's incredible. So that takes me to your COVID college experience. Your COVID college experience is you're applying to schools right now. You're trying to get in. You're trying to get in to go study. You're also trying to get in to play baseball. What has that been like during COVID? What are the, the new hurdles that nobody else has ever had to go through uh it's it's brutal to say the least I and mean, we've had a lot of people just for just for getting into school itself a lot of people who graduated last year are taking a year off take, took this year as a gap year so now they're going into college which creates more congestion in the college route all yeah. athletes who play a spring sport are coming back for another year as a fifth year senior because their their sports got canceled So there's just a lot more people trying to get into college right now, which creates a unique hurdle for admissions because while I might have had a shot to get into some schools last year, it's significantly more difficult this year. 
Yeah, and where have you applied? Um, Northern Arizona University and Johnson and Wales University, both because they gave me uh, free applications. I applied to University of the Pacific in Stockton, Sac State, mm-hmm. Chico State, uh, yes. CSU Long Beach, San Diego State, uh, uh, University. <clears throat> so, yeah, thank you. USC, University of Michigan, University of North Carolina, and University of Texas Austin. That is a list. The only one on there that makes me go, yeah, don't go there, would be Texas Austin. But uh, sorry, oh, also, I mean, I have nothing uh, against Texas. Oregon State, just... Oregon State, and U of U of O. Forgot those two because I just applied there like two days ago. Oregon's one heck of a state. Gotta love Oregon. I do love Oregon. So you're applying all those places. You would love to also play baseball at these schools. So that factors into your decision. Little dive a little deeper into how the baseball teams, it's just getting really jammed up. There's just not enough spots open for players and how, how that makes it hard for you. Plus the whole scouting thing last year got wiped off the planet pretty much, didn't it? As for juniors? Yeah, it's really, it's really tough because you're supposed to sign your junior year, but my junior year, I only got to play in three games before COVID wiped us out. And but you had like a, a one point something ERA, didn't you, in those three games? Uh, pretty sure my ERA was zero. I mean, not according to Max Prep. I don't think I actually yeah. gave up any real earned runs. Um, because you have people who graduated last year, so the freshmen, the sophomores, the juniors, the seniors, and the super seniors who are coming back due to COVID, and then my grade. So that would be that there's like five years of people trying to get into the same team. And if the season gets canceled again this year, and it's going to make mm-hmm. start the whole problem over again. I mean, for baseball, I'm going to find out January 25th if we're having a season or not. Man, I hope you do. I really do. You know, I've got an idea, though, because what I'm hearing is there's just not a lot of room, right? There are not a lot of positions open for all these players coming in. What if, I mean, you're a marketing, you're a marketing guy now. I'm a marketing guy. We can talk peer-to-peer, not just father-son. What if uh, in baseball you added more positions? So, for example, right now you have three outfielders. What if you put in three more that just stood further back, like at the fence, you know, to catch like the really long bombs? You know, Sounds like a horrible idea, but I love it. That's three more times like 7,000 schools. Okay. And you have a short, let's just keep going. Do you have a shortstop, right? Who stands between like third and home or something, right? Second and third, wherever they stand. Put another player between the other bases. So like first and second, second and third, third and home. That's three more. That's six more players that you're opening up right there. I like it. Huh? I, I see it. I, I can see it happening. I mean, because baseball is pretty much a two-outcome sport now, right? Strikeout or home run? Yeah. So why not put all those extra players in? Because they're just going to go over the fence. That's true. That's true. I think baseball really needs to start... I mean, it's not the most exciting game to watch because each game, I think, lasts seven, eight hours. Something like that. I can't remember the exact number. Pretty sure it's between seven and eight hours. They could... They just limit themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, why just one pitcher at a time? Why not two pitchers? That's true. I mean, if you find baseball boring, that is fine because we're just weeding out the amount of people. Because baseball is a smart people sport. So if you're not smart enough to enjoy baseball, then that's fine. Go watch soccer. Please. Oh, you just just slammed soccer. That's okay. Soccer is one with the... the, That's the European one, isn't it? Do they play soccer in the U.S.? I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so, but for real... 
it's going to be tough. And you're a solid pitcher yourself. You're, you've always been your team's ace since, since Little League. You're, what, 6'3", 190 pounds, and you throw four or five pitches? What pitches do you throw? We're, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to pimp you out there right now. Talk to, uh, talk to me. Tell me what you throw. Fastball, two-seam, change-up, curve, split finger. Okay, so that's, that's five pitches. Yeah. And your location and your movement is insane. So if you're listening out there, seriously, and you have any connection to a college program, baseball, D1, 2, 3, you know, D4 would be fine. Justice can send you tape. You can send tape, right? We need, to, we need an inside track here, folks. We need to get Justice playing baseball in college. All right? He's already a great student. We want to be a great student athlete. And you're going to study what in college? Sports marketing or sports management. I thought about sports. archaeology. What about archaeology? If I went to NAU, I would do archaeology. I would love it if you got into archaeology. Is there like sports archaeology? Like you could uncover old chariots and stuff? Have you thought about it? Uh, I don't know about that one, bubs. But you can come up with your own major, your own like program uh, when you're getting a master's degree. Think about it. Sports archaeology. You'd be unique. They they would call on you though anytime they had like an old, like, look, we found um, where uh, we found Roberto Clemente's, you know, remains at the bottom of the ocean. Wouldn't they call on you for that, maybe? That's a little grim. Uh, okay, bubs. That'll be uh, that, a little bit. That's a little grim. I, I apologize for that one. Don't rip but off my anyway, joke from last time. Justice Brilliant is available. 6'3", 190-pound pitcher. He's um, struck out Spencer Torkelson eight times in a row during an exhibition. I, I wasn't no, supposed I to mention that, was I? You didn't? No, I did not. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you did. I thought you said you did. Nope. Oh, you said you can strike out Spencer Torkelson and Andrew Vaughn, no problem. I think that's what you said. No, I didn't, but okay. Take Would you be up for the challenge? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so Drew, Spencer, come on. Justice thinks he can strike you out. Let's get it on. We've got a ballpark. We've got a ballpark in Healdsburg. That's the super nice, that's my super nice club challenge. Oh my challenge. God. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop. Uh, are you a fan? So <laughs> are you a fan? What's your favorite baseball team, man? San Francisco Giants for the time being. For the time being, or would you change your team if you I'm, moved to Texas? Would... I'm very ready to very ready to jump onto the White Sox bandwagon. I'm not going to lie. Uh, because of Vaughn and all the other young studs they've got? Pretty much, yeah. I just feel like they're going to be a super exciting team to watch. So what would make the Giants more exciting besides adding more outfielders? Um, if they decided to go the Tampa Bay Rays route and, and uh, get good at bringing people in. Right now, they suck at bringing in anybody at all interesting, which makes the offseason really boring. What, what advice do you have for, for uh, the San Francisco Giants? As, as a marketing guy in baseball, as a professional baseball marketer, what do you got? What advice do you have for the San Francisco Giants? Uh, I mean, Zaidi's been, Farhan Zaidi's been doing a really good job of retooling the team from the bottom up from the farm system. So mm-hmm. keep tooling up the farm system and bring in some big-name bats. Because they haven't had one of those since Barry Bonds was here. What about Barry Bonds? Uh, I don't think Bonds would play for them. To be completely honest here. No? No. Ricky Ricky Henderson? I wonder if that dude can still run. Rod Carew? He's on his second heart. Let's not give him a third. I, I mean, is he going to hit any worse than uh, Buster Posey did last year? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. At least he'd play. <laughs> Oh, at least he would play. It's so sad. You know, fans are so fickle. Buster Posey used to be one of Giants Justice's big heroes, and now he's like, Buster. I was never a big Posey fan. 
Cousin no? was never my guy. No, it was always Sandoval. Oh, yeah, Sandoval. Yeah, Sandoval. But, you know, you're ready to call for the head of Posey and Crawford and, and their whole infield. I'm not ready to call for their point. head. I think it's just time to, time to trade them. Giants yeah. need young people. Bring on the young people. Could they trade them? Is it possible for them to trade to the Prune Packers? Because that would solve your problem. Like, people would come watch Buster Posey catch for the Prune Packers. Absolutely. I think they would. So do you think you could maybe start working on that trade? I'm going to get on thing? as soon as we're done with this phone right. call. <laughs> what about basketball? Who's your basketball team? Who's your NBA team? The saddest professional basketball franchise in the history of ever, the Sacramento Kings. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Lakers. The Kings. Yeah. You are such an anomaly in the San Francisco Bay Area being a Kings fan instead of a Warriors fan. Do you ever get grief for that? Oh, absolutely. All the time. Because all these bandwagon Warriors fans who can't tell me who Latrell Sprewell is, but they all know who Steph Curry is. It's like, come on, guys. Do you got any advice for uh, Sacramento Kings ownership and what they should do? Uh, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, maybe get rid of Buddy Heald, but other than that, keep going. Bring back to Marcus Cousins. Oh, yeah, that's a given, obviously. We love you. We love you, Boogie. But the Kings, the Kings done you wrong. Vlade did you wrong. So we understand. We understand why you don't want to come back. But uh, the situation in Houston isn't looking so hot. I'm just going to say. Um, you and John Wall, come on back to the Sacramento Kings. What do you think about that? I'd love it. Let's do it. So free advice time. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but just the, the biggest advice that you could give to parents of high school kids during COVID. What do you got? Um, I say trust your kids, honestly, because right now mental health is at an all-time low. And if you can't trust your kid to just live his or her normal everyday life and you have to put in special restrictions for them leaving their bedroom, it's just going to lead to a ton of resentment and hatred from your kid. I mean, look, I know that living with, say, a teenager isn't necessarily easy, but if you make our lives little bit easier then we'll make it we'll return the favor don't be mean to us because then we're just going to come up with different ways to skate around your your illogical rules i would i I love that i would love that and i would just sort of piggyback that by saying you know people make mistakes and adults and teens so if you have a teen out there who you trusted and they violated something you know one of your covid rules um might be worth second, third, and fourth chances. These are crazy times. Nobody's ever had to deal with this before. And we're all hypocrites. I'm going to say, I'm just going to be that bold. All of us are hypocrites when it comes to COVID. We've all done things that we shouldn't have done. And as a parent, we can't expect perfection from our kids. We just have to learn together with them. Yeah, um... I, I feel like there's a lot of my friends who have very strict parents and it's just it's causing a, a great divide between them and their family during COVID because they have nothing else to do. If you're going to bar them from doing really anything, then it it causes a problem within the household. Yeah, these are these are really tough times. No answers here. If you have any answers, if you have any ways that you have come to an agreement, you've figured out or fixed a trust issue with your teens, share them with the Super Nice Club, will you? We'd love to hear it. Just find this post of this podcast and say, hey, here's what we did. And it seems to have it seemed to work because we need to all keep talking about this stuff. We need to keep communicating around COVID. It's not about to end. 
you know, there's just a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but it's going to be with us for a, for quite a while here, and the repercussions for several years. So if you have any ideas, thoughts, we'd love to hear them. All right, Justice, I have a curveball question for you. We're going to curve on out of away from COVID, away from lizard people, away from our, our wonderful Sacramento Kings, because this is a big one. This is an important one. This is something I learned just this morning, but it's it's I haven't even really been listening to you this whole time because I've been so just distracted by the reality that this is a thing. All right. Nice. Here it is. When you're preparing cereal in the morning, what is your order of operations? That is, do you pour the cereal into the bowl first and then, you know, the milk or the milk first and then the cereal? I found out that some people okay. pour milk first and it blew my mind. So, if it there, this is a two part question for me. Um, if I am within the presence of my girlfriend, then mm-hmm. I pour cereal, milk, then cereal, then bowl. So, milk first, then the cereal, then the bowl. Now, if I'm what? alone, what? What? since I'm not a psychopath, it goes right. bowl, cereal, milk. Okay. No normal person goes milk first. That should be illegal. Uh, but I- I'm, wait a minute. Back it up. Back it up. You you pour the milk onto the countertop and then the cereal onto the countertop and then put the bowl over the top of both of those? Is that what you're saying? Yep. Why would you do that? Because why not? But you only do it in the presence of Sophie. Yes, correct. And she's still with you. That's amazing. Way to go, Sophie. That's That sounds messy. And then what happens? The dog eats it? It's usually in the sink, so I just wash it away. So are you doing this because she's the milk first person and you're trying to make a point? No, because she's very adamantly against milk first. So I'm trying to make a point. Okay, I don't I don't get the point, but I'm glad that we agree that it is cereal before milk because I just don't understand why you would ever pour the milk first. If anybody out there understands why you'd pour milk first... My only thought, my only one, the only thing that seems logical to me, because the whole sogginess issue makes no sense. You know, if I put the ice cube in the water first or the water in the ice cube, it's not going to melt any differently. All right? It's the same. If you take two bowls of cereal and put them side by side and do it both ways, they're going to be the same level of crunchy 10 minutes later. Challenge you to check it out. It's just going to be the case. My only thing I can think of is that maybe back in the dust bowl, the Great Depression, there was so little milk. Right, they were just getting it from cow teats, squirting it into little bowls that they had to ration it. And to know how much to ration, they put it in the bowls first. And then they would visually check, okay, that's the equal amount of milk. And then, you know, pour the cereal in, I guess. And then maybe some people just got those habits from parents and parents and parents. But otherwise, it just... No, I agree. That's that's, uh, serial killer behavior. Otherwise, it's crazier than lizard people and chemtrails, like combined. Yeah. I, yeah. Anyway. Okay. But if you disagree, you're wrong. You can prove otherwise. We'd love to hear it. We'd love if to hear. If you disagree, fact, then you're wrong. Nah, no, 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 no. Let's be fair. Let's have open conversations, unlike what parents do with too many teens. If you're a milk first person, and you can objectively prove that it increases the crunchiness after 10 minutes, maybe via a video with scientific method, send you a super nice club hat for free. All right? Prove your point. Challenges out there. Speaking of challenges, this is where we kind of wrap things up, Justice. 
Alrighty. Each guest gets to issue a super nice challenge to the to the listeners of this podcast, to the members of the Super Nice Club. Something to make their world a little bit better, a little bit nicer. Do you have a challenge, something you can throw out there for people? Yeah, I have one. Um, with mental health the way it is for kids and teens alike, mm-hmm. for adults, take a minute, talk to your teenager, your kid, and just reiterate that you love them. And for, for kids my age, call your parents, just reiterate how much you love them. Because in the end of the day, who knows how this is going to keep going. And it's important to put that out there. I like it. I like it. I like it. This is a great challenge. Maybe it's one that if y'all are listening to this, you can just take home and throw out there in conversation, maybe share it in the socials, see what people feel like. Do you think that I need to do that? Do I need to partake in that challenge, Justice? Uh, no, you're good. Am I good? Are we good? Are, are we yeah. good, Justice? You're, you're chilling, All right. dog. All right. And then last but not least, I'm nervous about this one because it's you. It's my son. Oh, boy. Um, guests get to ask a question of me. And I just I just answer it. Pure honesty oh, coming up. You got something for me? You got a question for me? What's 9.10? You didn't prepare for this. You no. didn't prepare for this, did you? It was in the show no. notes. What show notes? I sent you a document that has like what to be ready for for this. You did not PDF. send me a document. You did not. I sent you a document. No, are we, you did are not. You, can you argue with me? Yes, on this we are podcast? having this argument. You did not send me. All right, a I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to look it up. Sent uh, to justice. All right. Nice work podcast info, January 8th, 2021. Uh, hey, confirming January 13th, 11 a.m. PST. Here's the link. Please be sure to follow the tech requirements in the attached document. In the attached document, SNC podcast overview. Oh, well, that's, oh, I didn't even see that. How am I supposed I just hit, here's the oh. link. I hit the link, mm. okay? Yeah, okay. Well, there's a whole attached, do you, do you know what, a, I know you're young, so there's a, when there's a paper clip, in, a, in an email, that means attachment because the paper clip attaches to paper. It's not really paper. It's a digital attachment. Anyway, yeah, so future reference. Now, do you have a question for me? Yeah, what's 9 plus 10? It's 19. Oh, sorry. I'm going to go with Paul Hardcastle. No, 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 19. 19. Yeah, if you don't get that reference, it's okay. Is that really your question? Yep. I don't really want to ask right. you any questions. Why not? So I, I don't really want to. Okay, it's fine. At least we got to fight on air. That, that all works for me. <laughs> that was, that Justice. Was <laughs> Justice, it's the 50th show. And so it's such a treat for me to be able to talk to you and have you in here marking the one-year anniversary as uh, you know the most important person in my world. So thank you for being on here. Thank you for just you know earnestly sharing your thoughts on what's going on out there with teens and covid i really appreciate it man i really do yeah thank you pops for having me on i look forward to the spencer torkelson andrew vaughn strikeout challenge manifesting through social media um god please no i'm sure that will it's gonna go crazy you know yeah and i look forward to to watching you just take those guys out it'll be great we'll get it on tape and it'll be something you can add to your to your college reel to try to get on teams what do you think oh boy all right buddy (laughs) all right love you justice Okay, so there you have it. A super nice conversation with my son. Super nice, Justice Brilliant. I hope you got something out of that, at least just hearing the perspective of a teen on what's going on in COVID because 
that perspective is something that I just, I don't see it out there a lot. And maybe it will remind you to get in touch with your teen self, you know, and with all of your younger selves. It's important thing to do is to check in with yourself from time to time. Uh, just because we're older doesn't mean that we have lost those younger selves. They're all still there, nested away. They really are. And you can go back in and you can talk to those younger selves, share your perspective and, and hear your old perspective because it can be valuable. That sounds a little hippy-dippy. Sorry, it's, it's just something I believe in. Sit down, give it a try. I want to clarify something about the cereal milk challenge, all right? 10 minutes of each, these versions have to be under real eating conditions, not just poured and left to sit, right? But as soon as you pour them both, you're going to put your spoon in, right? You're going to mix that milk and that cereal right away. So it has to be under eating conditions. That's, that's an important clarification if you want to win that challenge. All right? All right. So this has been great. I, I, I really enjoyed talking to Justice. And I think maybe you should, if you have one or two or five, stop what you're doing and go tell your kids you love them. You know, don't text it. Don't text somebody you love them. You got to use your voice. You got to have real human energy, not, not AT&T's digital delivery. Yeah. So... Go tell your kids you love them and come back next week, please. Listen to Nice Work, number 51. And uh, I love y'all. Stay nice, everyone. Just become 10% more